Hello, hello, hello. I'm Shreya. And I'm Julia. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Id, Ego, and Us. I can't believe that we're already halfway through the season. But anyways, if you haven't figured it out from the title already, today's collection episode discusses Sigmund Freud and his psychoanalytic theory. Without further ado, let's get started with In Depth. segment of in-depth we will talk about Sigmund Freud's psychoanalytic theory. Now that theory is that a person's personality is formed through the conflicts between their id, ego, and superego. What's id, ego, and superego you might be thinking? Well, other than the inspiration for our podcast's name, they're the names Freud created for the concepts he made describing the human brain. Before moving on, I want to note that this theory is very outdated and it doesn't have much scientific evidence to back it up, so I don't recommend relying on this theory in day-to-day endeavors. So here's a breakdown of the id, ego, and the superego. Let's start with the id. The id is created at birth. It makes a human give in to impulses and makes them aggressive. Newborn babies have only the id. For example, let's say it's around midnight and the baby's hungry. It doesn't stop and think, oh, there are people sleeping, I should probably be quiet. Uh, The id has full control of the brain, so the baby starts crying and does not care about anything but its own pleasure. So um, the id part of your brain wants instant gratification, instant pleasure. Next, we have the superego. Um, yes, I did skip ego, but we'll get to that. Um, so the superego. The superego develops as a person grows and receives guidance from elders. It creates morals and makes a person more rational. When the superego develops, people also feel a sense of guilt for their actions. You can also think of the superego as that one person that fails to have any fun and always seems to do the right thing at all times. Uh, pretty impossible, I think. Lastly, we have the ego. The ego is just what mediates the id and the superego and negotiates with the constant demands from both of them. It's a middle ground, uh, you can say. Here's another example so you can visualize it. So you have a whole cake. Yeah, you went to the store and you got a brand new cake. Your id tells you to have all of it. It wants instant pleasure and lots of it. So, uh, you might feel that you want to eat the whole entire cake in one sitting just because it tastes good and you want to feel happy. And then your superego tells you not to have the cake, not even a crumb. It's too unhealthy, it says. So then the ego comes in and lets you have one slice of cake. So it kind of uh, gives in to the id by having you, by letting you have some cake but also listen to the superego, knowing that it's too unhealthy to do that, so therefore you settle the, well, your brain settles for one slice of cake. When Freud came up with this theory, he had a diagram to go with it. Uh, He said that the mind is like an iceberg. The most submersed part, like the the bottom part, um, is the unconscious. It's under the water, you're unconscious of it. The middle part, one step up, is the subconscious. And the top part, the top part that you can see from above the water, um, is the conscious. So he said that the id is in the unconscious, that we don't even realize that it's there, but it controls us. 
and then there's the superego, which is the subconscious, and then in the conscious part, we have the ego, where most of the actions we take are created. Freud talks more about the subconscious in his books where he mentioned parapraxis. This is when a person accidentally reveals their subconscious thoughts. For example, you might be in class thinking about what you're going to have for dinner, and then when the teacher calls on you, you might blurt out a random food item. Uh, so that's what parapraxis is. Parapraxis is also called the Freudian slip. So there you go, that's your idiom. I guess this is also a far from the tree thing. Um, so yeah, the next time someone says Freudian slip, you know what that means, and you have uh, the science knowledge behind it. Yay. Okay, well, this is a pretty compacted and quick explanation of Freud's psychoanalytic theory, and that's all I have for now about it. Uh, remember that this is very, very outdated and also lack evidence, so don't rely on them too much. But it's worth mentioning that while Freud's theories are no longer valid, they actually laid a good foundation for modern studies in the area of psychology. That's all for in-depth. Let's move on to hindsight. Welcome to hindsight. Now, you've heard about Freud's psychoanalytic theory, but who was he really? Sigmund Freud was born on May 6th of 1856, is sorry, 1856, in what is now known as Pribor Czechia or Czechoslovakia. When he was young, his family moved from there to Vienna, where he spent most of his life, and when he got there, he was taught at home, homeschooled by his parents, uh, before they enrolled him in Sperling Gymnasium, where he graduated first in his class, so that was, if you're in America, sort of like the high school version of wherever he was. And then he went on to study medicine at the University of Vienna, after which he worked as a well-known physician. Freud later worked with a well-respected French neurologist named Jean-Martin Charcot, and he became fascinated with hysteria disorders and cases that revolved around it. He studied emotional and physical effects of the disorder with a friend, another friend, and mentor of his named Dr. Joseph Brewer. Specifically, he studied, they studied the case of a woman named Bertha Pappenheim, although they referred to her and we now refer to her as Anna O. They had talked to her about her experiences and it had a calming effect on her symptoms of the hysteria that she had, which she later referred to as the talking cure. Freud and Brewer published their studies in 1895, and it was titled, sorry, titled Studies in Hysteria. If you'd like to know more about that particular case, you can look up or uh, you can look it up or simply look up the name of the woman. Again, she was known, at, known as Anna O, but her true name was Betha Pappenheim. I would take you through the entire course of his life, but in describing his work, Shreya has really already done that for you. Fred's entire life was his work and his daughter. Ironically, or maybe not, she was also named Anna, and he went on to spend the rest of his time conducting research and publishing his findings. Freud's theories helped to kickstart many modern-day psychological findings, and his legacy lives on in classrooms and in the scientific community. Um, you'll be sure to learn about him in English or a history class at least once in high school. Um, and although Shreya said, like Shreya said, his findings aren't exactly accurate, they did help to kickstart some of the research and get some ideas stirring. 
Freud died on September 23rd of 1939, and he still had living he still had living relatives, and he still does. His grandson Lucien Freud became a famous British painter, and although he did die in 2011, he left behind multiple children to continue the family legacy. That's all we have on Freud's lifetime today, but for now, let's move on to frequent flyer. Welcome to Frequent Flyer. God, it feels like forever since the last time we did this, but not really. It's only been like three episodes and we're back with the birth country of Sigmund Freud. Freud was born in Pribor, a town in the Czech Republic. So that's the country we will explore today. Let's get started. The capital of the Czech Republic is Prague and it's also the largest city in that country. Uh, the population of the Czech Republic is around 11 million. That's only like 26% of the population of the state of California, like one-fourth, that's crazy. Anyways, um, on the Human Development Index, the Czech uh, Republic is ranked number 27. Uh, if you forgot what the Human Development Index is, it's basically just a ranking of all the countries based on uh, the life expectancy of their civilians, of, of their citizens, civilians, of their citizens, uh, education, and economic uh, status or like economic health or whatever. Uh, their currency is called the Czech Koruna. And finally, the president of the Czech Republic is Milo's Zeman. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but, uh, Milo Zeman. He was nominated in 2013 when the Czech Republic had its first ever popular vote for president. When Freud was born, the Czech Republic was actually called Czech Czechoslovakia and was called out until 1918. Uh, so next time you want to sound smart to someone, uh, you can just say, hey, Czechoslovakia, you know, and then here's the spelling. C-Z-E-C-H-O-S-L-O-V-A-K-I-A. You know, next time, next time you feel like being smart, just spell out Czechoslovakia. See if you can do it. Uh, it's very interesting to say, very fun to say, and um, fun to spell, yeah. Anyways, uh, the Czech Republic's main exports are automobiles, machinery, and other technology. And technology meaning like information, communications technology. Uh, as we said, we want to keep our episode short, because we went through like 40 minutes before. And that's not what we're trying to do here. We want to keep our segments and episodes nice and short. Um, informative and fun. So yeah, let's just go right on to the next one. Welcome to Food for Thought. So obviously today's question is going to be about Freud. One of Freud's most important contributions was the claim that many of our behaviors are motivated by unconscious desires. So today's question is, what do you think some of your unconscious desires that motivate your behavior may be? Shreya, would you like to start us off? I think that my most innermost desire is probably to have fun. Like, uh, when I was younger... I had no responsibilities. I would just be able to play with my friends all day, every day. But then, like, as I got older, I got more responsibility, like, doing my schoolwork, keeping on top of things. And then, like, it just, like, kept adding up, adding up, adding up. And now I have to start thinking about the future. Like, what college am I going to go to? Um, 
uh, what job am I going to have? Like all these things I have to think about and be prepared for. And um, so when I'm thinking about the future, it's all worry, no fun. So um, I feel like when I do something uncharacteristic or do something that I'm necessarily not supposed to do, like if I mess up, it's because I want to be... If I mess up, it's because I wanted to have fun. And, uh, like, if you don't have fun for so, so long, then that's just, like, bad. So, I think that the reason why I do some things, like, for example, procrastinate. Like, when I abandoned my one million tasks, it's because I just want to have fun. Like, I'd rather watch TV, because that's fun, rather than sit in front of a desk and do, like, what, math? for like hours because obviously watching TV is more fun and uh, procrastination is a big 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 problem not just for me but I feel like most people uh, uh, deal with procrastination it's terrible um, and I think the root of procrastination is the human tendency to want to have fun the human tendency to want to let loose um, yeah that's all I have what about you Julia? Um, I personally think that my uh, unconscious desire is to be successful. Um, I say that specifically because I know that I say, like you said, your unconscious desires want to have fun. I know that I want to have fun and I know that I want to eat all the food in the world and take all the naps in the world and go on runs for the rest of my life and read books and just do that for the rest of my time. But I think my underlying desire that sort of leads my behavior is this um, need to be successful because if I I know that happiness and that fun will come from simply living my life to the fullest and doing whatever it is that I wish to do with my life but at the same time my mind is set on going to college and going to a job that will make me successful and following the step-by-step plan that's sort of been laid out ahead of us, um, regardless of whether or not we want to follow it. And I think that my unconscious desire is to follow that plan. And that is why I, like there are students that some kids just aren't meant for school because not everyone is built for that sort of environment. And so they don't do their work or they sort of fall behind in class. And I don't necessarily think that I am the machine built for that but regardless the way that my mind is set on success in the future I always get my work done and if I don't have my work done before the fun um before yeah before the fun then I will be completely stressed out about it because my innermost desire is to be successful and I know that I want to have fun and it's much easier to suppress something that you're familiar with rather than the success that is behind um, all the actions that I want to complete and is not exactly present until I'm going against it. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, so I think it's my innermost desire that motivates my behavior, whether it is in school or really just anything that I do. I have this horrible desire to be the... I mean, maybe it's not bad. I think it can be both good and bad, but I have this horrible desire. I said horrible again to be just the best at everything and um um 
I don't know, it just sort of can hold you back not wanting to try things if you're not going to be the best. Um, because you won't really have fun with what you're doing if you're completely focused on 100% accuracy. And so yeah, I think that my innermost desire is to have to be successful, uh, whether or not it is detrimental. That's all that I have. Shreya, do you have any last thoughts or can we move on to the next segment? Um, yeah, I think that I can definitely relate to you. That is one of my other desires or whatever, but the fun thing came to my mind first. Because uh, according to Freud, your innermost desires are what makes you do questionable things. So um, I feel like wanting to be the best at everything will certainly tire you out, but also it motivates you to do things, so that's good. So I think that's more of your super ego. Like... I'd rather than your it, but I don't know. This is not an argument kind of thing. So, it, what you said definitely makes sense um, in a way. And uh, I think that's it. So, uh, the episode has officially concluded. Uh, please listen to us on Good Pods. Um, is one of probably the only requests that we have for you guys. So, Good Pods is an app. It's free. Um, it's basically like Instagram, but for podcasts, like Instagram, pictures is to Instagram and podcasts is to good pods. So you can actually see what your friends are listening to. You can follow people. Um, you, like it's really fun and they've actually launched a new feature, um, for like charts, like top charts. Um, the same way you can see what music is trending, you can also see what podcasts are trending. So if you listen to us on Good Pods, that will help us get on those charts. Uh, so please do that. You could also leave a review on Podchaser if you'd like. And um, that's it. Follow us on social media and see you next time on Ego and Us.